This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. So today I have Andy Green with me. Happy New Year, Andy. Thank you, Brian. Same to you. I learned something startling on New Year's Eve. I learned something I couldn't believe. Apparently, Green Day don't like the MAGA agenda. I'm on a part of a MAGA agenda. And like I, many Americans, I was appalled. I just I'm couldn't believe shocked. it. I'm shocked. I thought they'd be performing it alongside Vanilla Ice at the mar lago New Year's Eve bash. I can't believe that they are anti-Trump. It's really bizarre. Side note, I saw that footage. Is Vanilla Ice a Trump supporter? I remember when Berlin played at Mar-a-Lago and they got a lot of shit and they were like, look, they paid us and we showed up. Or when G. Smith played at the RNC, you know, it's, he's a working artist. Yeah, I once saw Vanilla Ice many years ago at the Insane Clown Posse convention that I was covering, which he probably supports Trump about as much as he support. Oh, here he goes. Two years ago, when he played Mar-a-Lago previously... He said that it's not about politics. Vanilla Ice is uh, apolitical. That's all good for him, yes. I see that he reunited with the Ninja Turtles at the oh, yeah. party. So the Ninja Turtles perhaps have, have, have endorsed <laughs> yeah, Have gone MAGA, yeah. Have gone MAGA, yes. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're not here to talk about Vanilla Ice, at least I don't think so. But yeah, Green Day performed American Idiot on... On the New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. And... As they've done, I think, at almost every performance in the last, I don't know, how many years, five years, more years, a lot, a long time, they changed the words redneck agenda to MAGA agenda. It's something they've, they've been doing, just to just try to update a little bit. And they've been doing this. I believe they've even done it on TV before. Yes. Yeah. So there's literally nothing new. It's also nothing new that Green Day are not conservatives. I thought that was pretty well established, but they did this. It's one word, literally one word. They changed redneck to MAGA. I'm not part of the redneck agenda. It could be provocative in itself if one were desiring to take it that way, but they changed it to, to MAGA agenda. And there was this huge freak out. And I thought it was worth talking about. Yeah, I think part of it was people who hadn't thought about Green Day in a very long time were watching this, because this is a huge mass audience. A very decent percent of the whole country is watching the ball drop. And it's like halftime of the Super Bowl, where people that don't normally think about, hey, about those artists are suddenly watching them play and reacting to it. And I'm sure there's that Trump, he got 74 million votes or whatever. There's plenty of people out there who are MAGA who were not happy. Yeah, I, I guess so. But there was this element of shock to it, which is, and that's the part that freaks me out. And that's, and it's something we've seen again and again over the past few years. And it seems to especially shock people when Gen X rock bands in particular reveal that they're not conservatives. I, what, what is that? I think if you love Dookie and you live in the suburbs and you're a white guy in 1994, 
or 10 years later, you were 14 in 2004, and you love an American Idiot. They were part of the monoculture back then, so they had a huge fan base across the spectrum. And those people, they got older, and a bunch of them are voting for Trump. So they can have real nostalgia for Green Day and love them, and not even see them as part of the current political debate. So to see their former heroes or their current heroes singing against their leader can be very jarring. And even if it makes no sense if you think about it to them, I think it's like, what? They're anti-Trump? Green Day? What? It's just, it didn't compute for a lot of people. I think there's parts of the country where if you're a middle-aged white dude, most every other middle-aged white dude that you know is a Trump supporter. It's just in the culture, and especially if they love that kind of music. I, I don't mean punk, but if they love like Foghat type bands or something, there's a lot of MAGA there and we live in bubbles. And it's, there's people that only know people that share their opinions and only engage with media that reflects their opinions back to them. And this is something that everybody was watching. And so it pissed them off, shocked them. I think some of it is just that no one pays attention to anything. That there's just this, people take things in super passively, despite Green Day making the American Idiot album in 2004. And mm -hmm. the whole album is full of lyrics that make it clear that they're not Republicans. Their whole career, right. yeah. But what's worth noting, it's an anti-W Bush record. It's an anti-war record. It's 20 years old. And when Trump ran for president in 2016, he sounded that he was like Noam Chomsky at times. He was like a no blood for oil guy. He was like, Bush lied us into this war. He yelled at his brother, Jeb. He was like, your brother, he sent people off to die. And that was very popular. So there's a bunch of people that worship Trump and despise W and think our wars, they were terrible. And they could listen to a lot of lyrics on American Idiot and fully agree with it and still love Trump. I actually, I did think of that. They might be giving them too much credit, but there, there may be something to that where they don't see the continuity between W and Trump. Pre-Trump was like a different party to them. There's a lot of Obama-Trump voters out there. As shocking as, as that is, there's like millions of them. Factually, there would have to be, yeah. So they thought maybe that Billy Joe was against the war and, and against W, much like they have come around to thinking at this point. But then like all right-thinking people came around and, and became MAGA and possibly loved Trump for all they knew. Yeah, because <laughs> MAGA has never been about policies. They don't care about government policies. That's a cult of personality. It's separate from policy in so many ways. That's it's just smart, a different thing. yeah. I'll go back to my other theory, which is it's an American skin theory, I would call it, which is that and it's maybe, it's not precisely analogous, but when Bruce Springsteen came out with the song, he didn't, he didn't even come out with it. He played, he played it, it live. He played <laughs> it live, but it, it got a lot of attention. It was actually one of the first Napster-driven scandals in a way because huh, this song yeah. was actually available on Napster, and that's how it spread, the live version. But he played this song, American Skin, 41 Shots. Or is it 41 Shots, American Skin? I wrote a book and I can't remember. Which. I, I think it's American Skin, 41 Shots. <laughs> okay. American Skin, 41 Shots. She says, on these streets, Charles, you've got to understand the rules. It was about the Amadou Diallo case, and it was talking about police shootings of Black people in America. And it essentially was treated, in, in addition to offense from the right, they took offense but they also were stunned because somehow by 1999, they still hadn't figured out that Bruce Springsteen wasn't a right-winger. 
they, they were genuinely surprised. And for Bruce's part, it didn't firmly enter the consciousness of people that he was not a right winger. It took him standing next to, in a series, John Kerry, Obama, headlining Vote for Change. Then finally, it was like they thought he was a communist and they knew he was a left winger. But it took that much repetition to get into people's heads. Green Day, the other thing that's interesting is what you hear from the conservatives is they didn't know they were a band they're claiming. They haven't, they didn't know they still existed. They forgot they existed. They had to look them up. You're hearing all sorts of things like that. So it, it probably just haven't given this a lot of thought is my other theory. Yeah, I think people project a lot. And you can easily project onto Green Day for whatever politics you want. And as big as Green Day are, they haven't been really firmly in the culture in like 15 years as far as people who are not following music. They, they have not had big singles. They've had big tours, but they're playing to their fans that they aren't on like SNL and stuff. So people, it's easy to troll or be genuine and say, hey, I, I didn't realize I still existed. I think American Idiot, the musical, is probably their last big sort of mass pop cultural moment, one could argue. Sure, but that didn't do very well on Broadway. Right. It was relatively short-lived. And that was a long time ago, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was a long-ass time ago, yeah. yeah. They're still a, they're, they're a huge band, and they're playing stadiums. It's like this coming summer, but yes, it's they, not they, based around new music or anything. Yeah, they just did a stadium tour with Weezer and with Fall Out Boy. Yeah. They're still one of the, the biggest surviving rock bands on Earth, for sure. But if you don't pay attention to any of that, yeah, you might not know. It's like Pearl Jam also. They're enormous, and there's some people that... If you told them that they broke up in in ninety five, they'd believe it. Fish sold out the garden like at least three times the other week, and uh, for New Year's, and I'm sure there's tons of people who don't know they're a band. There's a lot that have, of that have never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not paying attention to rock, it's not really in the, the center of the culture. There's this thing of Green Day goes woke, which is very interesting. There's this thought that woke is mainstream. Woke is left-wing media. Woke is weak. And punk stands for rebellion. Punk is pushing back against the mainstream. So therefore, in the minds of a lot of people on the right, that the ultimate punk move is to be conservative. That's what Johnny Ramone, that, that's, what, that's what he used to always say back in the 80s and 90s when he was a huge Republican. And so a lot of people are shocked that these rebellious punkers are woke. Elon Musk was, until a couple of years ago, was anti-Trump himself, so it's a little confusing, but obviously he switched sides. And he borrowed from some language that people started using about Rage Against the Machine fairly recently, which is, Elon wrote, Green Day goes from Raging Against the Machine, again, wrong band, Green Day goes from Raging Against the Machine to Milk Toastedly Raging for It, and then added laughing emojis. Hilarious. Yeah, it is. It's, it's this attempt to recast the rebellious side of culture as right wing, right? That's the idea. This idea that the cool thing is to be like a MAGA person. That's rebellion. That's punk. Yeah, I think it's pretty widespread. I think it's what Kid Rock has tapped into and often expresses this notion that nothing is a bigger sellout move than being a liberal and just going along with things. That the rebels, that Trump's a rebel. He's the real punk. He pushes back, and, and punk is about fighting the system. And there is right-wing punk out there. There, there certainly is even, even far-right punk. Right. Greg Gutfield of Fox said that if you want punk... You should think about Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. Those are the punkers. <laughs> it's, 
So absurd is those guys is that Elon is the single wealthiest man on the planet. Rogan is worth, well, like a half a billion dollars. That's always been a paradox at the heart of MAGA. That the leader of people that have been forgotten is a New York real estate developer who lives in a golden apartment. It's incredible to ponder the mindset that gets you to Elon Musk, the literal richest man in the world, is punk rock. Because he's rebellious. He's rebellious. Yes, and that's all it takes. It's interesting, though, because randomly Jack Dorsey, his predecessor as the CEO of Twitter, told me about being a bouncer at Gilman Street, where, where Green Day got their start. There may be something, there may be something to this. It's a movement from 50 years ago, and 50 years before that was the 20s. It's, this is a very old form of music. When I interviewed Radiohead, Johnny Green would say, do you realize that there are people out there whose grandparents, that, that they were in punk bands? It's just, it's just history now in a lot of ways. And Green Day in 1994 were reviving something that was already pretty old, that had started 17 years beforehand. I think people don't remember what it used to mean. Some random person, a right-wing person on X slash Twitter wrote, as a punk rock girl, this turns me off. Stop bringing politics into music. <laughs> that goes back to the Dixie Chicks or whatever. Just shut up and sing. And this notion that punk is not political when it was always political. <laughs> Think about the whole Nazi punks fuck off thing. There always was a, a right wing thing within oh, the punk world. Of course. And the most famous punk on the planet is possibly Johnny Rotten. And he has definitely switched over to the right. But for people to imagine that this had quietly happened to Green Day is very funny. Like that's... <laughs> it's, it's so ludicrous. But if your idea of them was just frozen like 30 years ago and you imagine that they've gone on the same evolution that you have, then you can see it. I, have a, I think that's the next strain. And the, the next strain is truly just shut up and sing. It's that whether we're surprised or not, we just don't want to hear it. We're having our quiet New Year's Eve. We're looking forward to voting for Trump again in, in 11 <laughs> months. And we don't want to hear even the mildest criticism. And how, who are you yeah. to speak about this? And in most of their media, they don't. So they don't have to hear it. That They don't watch CNN. That They don't listen to left-wing anything, like podcasts or whatever. But it's like why sports got them so pissed off when people were kneeling at the national anthem. They were like, this is one of our safe spaces where we're free from this stuff. And they were so angry about it. Kind of was shoved in their face. And they hate being exposed to any ideas that they don't agree with. And it's so easy in the modern era to never be exposed to the other side. The other thing is that Green Day are, as we said, they're middle-aged now. They're wearing suits. They're so far beyond the being like the, the young band they once were. Although I must say they both look and sound great. But yeah. they're, they're not necessarily congruent with what a 22-year-old thinks is cool. And what a 22-year-old thinks is cool, young leftists don't talk about Trump. Young leftists are too worried, for reasons we won't super get into right now, are much more preoccupied with hating on Biden for the most part. If you don't actually hear this kind of anti-Trump messaging almost no. anywhere in pop culture at the moment because it's just not anyone's focus. So I think it's that maybe made it extra shocking. Yeah, there's a weird thing happening. Both sides, they prefer bashing the heretics on their own side. That Trump himself, he takes much more of a delight bashing the rhinos than he does than he does even Joe Biden. And on, on the left, it's the far left against the sellout moderates. That's the big war. It's a weird thing. 
So I think that maybe the larger context is by being, quote unquote, uncool enough to even mention Trump, because it's not, somehow it's just not anyone's focus, despite the fact that this guy might very well be pre- be elected president again this year. He reminded them that he's not a popular figure. It's a reminder of the anti-Trump era. People were very inflamed against this president. And by bringing it back up, I think it reminded them that there is going to be an alignment against him again within pop culture, which didn't make that side very happy the last time. Yeah, no, it's going to be a wild year. And this is just the first second of the new year was this. And it's going to get crazy. And what's worth noting is that I interviewed Billy Joe a few years ago, and I, I asked him if he views W in a different light now because of Trump, because Trump is so much crazier. And he was offended by the question. And mm. he goes, George W. Bush is a war criminal. Mm. And he just went off saying that he will never view W in any different light because of Trump or of anything. That It was interesting. Yeah. And at the same time, though, it doesn't soften him on Donald Trump. And No, definitely not. <laughs> so when I talked to Billy Joe and the whole band for a cover story just before Trump's election. He also talked about Black Lives Matter. I think my role is to shut up and listen, he said. A lot of white people should shut up and listen. They really don't know what the African-American experience truly is. Don't try to do this, like, Blue Lives Matter. Don't try to do the All Lives Matter. Just shut up and listen to the experience. So I think he, quote-unquote, went woke quite a while ago. And I think it's worth going back and talking about the context of American Idiot, because they did talk about politics in interviews in the 90s. But their music wasn't really political at all until 2004, unless I'm missing a song or two. No, it was not at all. They took a major left turn, and it was pretty surprising to a bunch of us. And I, at first, I didn't think it would do very well. I was insanely wrong, obviously. But it was a big departure, and maybe the last huge rock album that we'll ever see. And it, that was 10 years into their career already. They then became the kind of big statement band that they weren't beforehand. And so I guess, though, if you maybe, if you were only listened to Dookie as a little kid and then missed everything else, then I guess, yes, this would be a surprise. If you totally missed American Idiot. The last time this happened, as we said, was with Rage Against the Machine. There's a history, as you were saying before the episode started, like Paul Ryan loved Rage Against the Machine, despite them being not only on the left, but pretty far on the left. As actor LaRocca said, every U.S. president should be like tried for war crimes in history. And there. then execute. No, he says since FDR or something that they all should be tried for war crimes and hanged. And I guess that includes Jimmy Carter. So yeah, let's yeah. go hang Jimmy Carter for war crimes. He wanted to dig up FDR and JFK and hang them for war crimes. So this is a band with, with some pretty extreme rhetoric, actually. Pretty far from being a Republican, needless to say. But in post-pandemic, when the band had vaccine mandates for their short-lived, unfortunately, tour. Which Tom claimed to me that was not true. He went off on the phone with me. He was like, we would never do that. There were no vaccine mandates. I don't think so. No, whatever. When people thought they had vaccine mandates. Yes. That's what caused the uproar. They used to rage against the machine. Now they are the machine. They're raging for the machine for Pfizer. You know, yeah, it's insanity, but you can listen to their songs and project anything that you want on them. If it's well, you don't listen you, very closely, no, if you if, if, no, if you pay attention to the parts you like, if it's right. fuck you, I, I won't do what you tell me, then that could apply to a great many things, right? If, if you then listen to the verses and stuff, then you might have a problem, <laughs> of course. But I think it's, I do think 
a lot of people listen to the music they like, and except for the parts they're singing along to, they're hearing like the teacher and Charlie Brown. People thought a song that, that began with Born Down in a Dead Man's Town, first kick I took was when I hit the ground, feel like a dog that's been beat too much till I spent half my life just covering wow. up. They thought that was a, a super proud American anthem. That was just blah, blah, blah. It was born in the USA right. by the flag, motherfucker. That, that's what it was. So it's the same thing with rage. It's the same thing across the board. If people don't pay attention, they don't know what they're hearing. And then there is this thing, again, demographically, it has to be the case that a fair amount of the legacy audience for rock has to be conservative. Just demographically, it's... It's, yeah. It has to be the case. And maybe they thought it was just a general, don't be an American idiot. It's just like, whatever you think an American idiot is, man, don't well, do it. he wasn't like George W. Bush sucks. That wasn't the song. It was Wake Me Up with September End. Summer has come and passed. The innocent can never last. Boulevard, a broken dream. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know a lot of stuff that you could feel and not apply it to partisan politics. Most bands welcome listeners of all political stripes. At most, you might, if you see Pearl Jam or Green Day or whoever, you might hear one little bit that you might not like, and then you get on with it, which is, I think, what most normal people do. They don't freak out one lyric change in one song. Yes. When the previous line of the song, but he changed that a while ago. He, he used to use an, an ironically deployed anti-gay slur. And Billy, it's not talked about much, but Billy has actually been open about being bisexual for a really long time, so he claims the uh, right to use that. But I think two things. I think it's actually a, a really promising start of the year for Green Day. They have a new <laughs> album coming out, and it, it's so funny because I've seen all the Fox News panels or, and um, Newsmax are talking about that they were just trying to get attention, but they're the ones giving them attention. They're promoting them tremendously. Uh, and it's great news. It's not quite the same thing, but I would compare it to when Phoebe Bridgers smashed her guitar on Saturday Night Live and people freaked out. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like the gesture as ancient as that still has the power to offend people. There's life yeah. in this thing yet. And that's like with Green Day. If they can still get people worked up by changing one lyric in a 20-year-old song, is it really 20 years old? My God, it's an almost 20-year-old song. Then things bode well for their new album. Their new album's great. I was just playing it, actually. And they're really good live still. It's going to be a very good year for Green Day. Everything. <laughs> it was Blink-182's turn last year. Now it's Green Day's turn this year. Yes, it is always 1998. It just never ends. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's interesting because one does think about how this election year will play out musically, if at all. As we were saying, it's not super cool right now to be focused on being anti-Trump on the left. And, and it's not super cool to be pro-Biden either. So how's this going to play out? Well, in, in 2020, when Biden ran the last time, it was the height of the pandemic. There couldn't be big rallies or anything. So come September, October, is it going to be Bruce Springsteen and Jay-Z again? Will they be on stage with him or not? And then, of course, there's the how much will Taylor do? What will Beyonce do? Uh, I just read a whole op-ed that was like, Taylor Swift has the power alone to get Biden elected. She has such a big movement that all she has to do is endorse him and the name misses over. <laughs> Which is crazy, obviously, but she does have power. So it'll be interesting to see if Beyonce and Taylor, if they dive into this. because a, a very powerful gesture would be if they performed together like Bruce and Billy Joel did for Obama uh, and performed together for Biden. That, that, could, that could unite... That was the best concert of all time. That was such a great night. <laughs> in that one, they sang each other's songs, so I, I don't know if I'd and recommend the, the, that. And the bands were mashed up yeah. together. It was fucking sick. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend that for, for Taylor and Beyonce. They should probably keep the music mostly separate. I'm not sure how that think, would work out. Do you, you think Taylor is going to endorse Biden? In some form. Yeah, I, I think either tacitly or directly. She will say, get out and vote, and everyone knows who she supports, so that might be enough. I think that would be enough. I understand if she doesn't fully do it. Due to the fact that a, a portion of the left is unhappy with Biden, uh -huh. there's going to be this unprecedented factor where if Olivia Rodrigo, for instance, who's been pretty openly pro-Biden, if she plays a concert for Biden, some of the left are going to say, they're going to start calling her genocide Olivia or whatever. It's going to be a whole thing. So, it, this be, it becomes more like 1968, right? Where right. you had the MC5 playing outside the democratic convention in protest yeah so that's going to be the real x factor here is the people right. who's going to endorse biden or who's going to bash what, biden yeah, and say vote for jill stein or something but yeah you know what acts are going to end up tacitly supporting trump or get pressured out of being pro joe biden because of the pressure from the left it's actually a yeah i, I can't compare it to anything other than sort of 1968 on that level but the thing is that, that the youth vote is like fool's gold it is hyped up in every cycle and they never turn out in big numbers either but it is an interesting dynamic. It won't affect if older acts want to, even if Pearl Jam or whatever want to go out and even Gen X acts want to go, or Green Day, if they want to go out and play for Biden, they're not going to be that susceptible to pressure because of the age of their fan base. But if you know that boy genius aren't, aren't going to play in favor of Biden because they're, they're apparently <laughs> anti-Obama. but I, I, I'm sure Biden's dream scenario is the final week of the campaign. He goes to swing states and is Taylor Swift on Air Force One in the way that Springsteen was on Air Force One in 2012. Performing at his last two rallies, He would it I, could really like, turn a big state. I bet her plane is bigger and better protected than, than Joe. So <laughs> I, I think he'll, he'll ride on T-Force One with her. But she says, I'm not taking that little plane. The question would be then is, if will things cool down? Or would that then actually subject someone like Taylor to... So, so two things would happen. The MAGA crowd 
hate you. And then this, then the left might hate you too. The far left might hate you well, too. I uh, think come September, October, when it's Trump or not Trump, things have cooled down a bit. I hope so. It's interesting. Or it could cause a thing where the pop culture kind of keeps quiet and the election just plays out. That it turns out the biggest anti-Trump gesture by any major musical act the whole year will have turned out to be what Billy Joe did on, on New Year's Eve. Everyone will be one word in the first minute of <laughs> the year. That's right. That's it. <laughs> we'll be one like a word. Who wants to get sandwiched between by the left and the right for supporting Biden, which is actually... Which then, we're, we're not here to talk about electoral issues, but yeah. it does pinpoint the problem for Biden. It, it's a little bit concerning. The, the other thing that people with short memories, and everyone seems to have a short memory now, is, is how much, for example, in 2000, there was a lot of support for Ralph Nader's candidacy. That's because they were complacent following eight years of Bill Clinton. They thought it wasn't going to be that close. They didn't yeah. realize bad things could happen. They lived through the peaceful 90s. It was a different time and they were all fools, but this is a different era. I just want to bring it up as precedent, which is you never know, because there was, I went to a concert in the year 2000 that was perhaps the, in retrospect, possibly the single most misguided event I've ever been to, which was a concert for Ralph Nader at Madison Square Garden. But that wasn't a swing state. It was the real it wasn't a swing state, but it, but it was wasn't going just, to Florida and shit and doing that. But it wasn't just for New York, though. It was like meant to be a general... Just raise money for him to go, yeah. Yes, exactly. To go get Bush elected, yeah. Yes, it was Eddie Vedder, Ani DeFranco, Ben Harper, and Patti Smith. I've been fortunate in my life to play to places that were sold out, even this place. Vetter told the rally's energized, energized crowd, estimated 15,000 people. I'm reading from my own article, by the way. But tonight is totally different, and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Now, I, I forgot to ask Eddie a few years later if he still thought that was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen, but I imagine he might have changed his mind. But you're right, it wasn't a swing state, but it's just given what happened in 2000, I think a lot of Nader supporters felt bad. If 1% of them in Florida had voted for Gore, the entire century is different we live in right now. I'm going to single out Ani DeFranco for this one. <laughs> it's, this is 90% Ani DeFranco's fault. But what I'm saying is there is precedent for huge names in music to decide to favor a third-party candidate. It's, it's hard, admittedly, to imagine that happening with And who's Trump. the third-party candidate we're talking about? Cornell West or RFK or the, some no-labels dick bag? That's, I just don't see it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if... Some big names came out for, say, Cornel West. I would not be shocked. And, God, and the question, yeah. the extent to which that would matter is hard to say, but... I don't want to get in the weeds, but I, I think he has major ballot access problems because he's not a part of a party right now. I think the big issue is what, is what No Labels is going to do because they'll ballot access in some states and RFK Jr. No one's ever done a big concert like Don't Vote. Like the stay-at-home vote, be like yeah. vote and die. I, yeah. I could imagine, this is the only year where I could imagine a shocking number of acts just protesting the, the ballot by not voting concert or something. Well, it's not inconceivable think, to me. I think turnout is going to be low, and that's going to be a big issue for both of them. It'll just be who has a slightly better bad turnout. Don't rock the vote will be the new. It's I, I think this underscores what an insanely bizarre year it's going to be politically. It's unprecedented. It's also, again... It's the pop culture anti-Trump energy has already, that's the problem is you never want, people don't want their pop culture to be boring, right? They don't want music to be boring. And it's what can possibly be said musically, whether it's on stage statements or in a song, like there's no, 
you can imagine a song like metaphorically, let's not do this again about a couple getting back to, I think you do it in a country song where it's like metaphorically about a, cu- a couple to thinking about getting back together after a disastrous relationship, but really it's about Trump. I think that's, you could do that. But other than that, it's just, I think people have already blown out their energy on this. And, and the idea well, of this redux is... And I don't know how much it would even help. Do you think Vote for Change did anything? I think a lot of it is I'm sick and tired of these rich elites telling me, babe, I had a vote. Like, fuck them. I think it just breeds resentment. Maybe Kerry would have lost by even more without without Vote for Change. I, I don't know. But I don't know. Do you really see a voter that's, yeah, I was thinking about voting for Bush, but then Eddie Vedder and Springsteen, <laughs> they played People Have the Power, and then I decided to, to vote for Kerry instead. It's no longer the death of the monoculture. It's the I'd like to announce a new paradigm I just invented. It's the shrinking of the monoculture down to, you know, just a few people. So in music, it's Taylor Swift, Beyonce, and a couple other people. I think it, it becomes a situation where it's like you said, it, it's no longer an issue of what are musicians as a whole going to do? Will Taylor Swift endorse or not? <laughs> yeah, it's just it, one person. <laughs> it, just, yes. it comes down to that. So that's, it's emblematic of this micro monoculture where it's just Taylor Swift. and, and Yeah, where a decent chunk of all of the music industry is just one person. Listen, if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey do an ad where they're hanging around a kitchen table with Biden and they turn to the camera and be like, this is the man for America, like that would have an impact. It would cause some people's heads to explode, but that would have an impact. It would be huge. I can't look in my crystal ball and see that. It's so hard to envision something like that. People know now that she is a Democrat. She's made that clear. I think if yeah. she just says, get out the vote, I think that's enough. But she endorsed in that governor's race, like very explicitly. Congratulations to Billy Joe Armstrong on reclaiming the, the zeitgeist and yeah. Green Day riding it into a big year for Green Day, big year for uh, Trump. And we'll see what happens. Andy oh Green, thanks as always. Sure thing, Ryan. Thank you. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.